Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. and girls as well. Tell your mommy or your daddy to turn up the radio. I can feel the passion. I, it's just, it's oozing through the microphone. It's its going into the clogged left ear and the slightly clear right ear as I continue to suffer post-COVID effects or post-vaccine effects. Not afraid to mention it. Not afraid to talk about it. If I fall asleep during the show, you know why. And it's a boring show. We turned down the air conditioning here to prevent that, but I have side effects. Who cares? Jaguars are in a playoff run. Can you get it done here in Duval? Can you knock off the mighty Dallas Cowboys? They come in. They are fired up. It's a good football team. They've won four in a row. They've won six of seven. They have a quarterback who I still think in a lot of circles is underrated. They have two hosses now behind them. Guys who can run the football. And with Pollard, man, he's a threat when it comes to catching uh, the football. Already double digits so far as far as touchdowns. Many believe he's past Elliott as the better back. They have one of the better tight ends in the NFL. They have one of the very true special wide receivers in pro football. A 1A in C.D. Lamb. Defensively, they're ferocious. They have three guys with more sacks than anyone on the Jaguars. Micah Parsons is an absolute beast. 25 sacks in 28 games. He has 12 this year. Dante Fowler's got five, the former Jaguar, the former turd who was flushed here, and he keeps reappearing, right? L.A., Atlanta, Dallas, one-hit wonders. Uh, for Dante's getting paid and, and has found himself on some pretty good football teams. Dante Fowler with five sacks. That would be tied right here in Duval with Dewan Smoot, who's got five. You got uh, Durant Armstrong. He's got eight. Demarcus Lawrence. He has six. Those three, by the way, drafted. Jerry Jones, the Dallas Cowboys. Parsons, drafted. Armstrong, drafted. Demarcus Lawrence, drafted. Uh, Pretty impressive. Overall, they have 48 sacks. Jaguars did a real good job last week with the offensive line. If you consider the following, they could not run, as we know. They could not get it done on the ground at Tennessee. Tennessee remains one of the really good defensive, um, you know, one of the really good defensive teams in the NFL when it comes to defending the run. They allow less than 90 a game. That's not the case here if you look at what's going on with Dallas. If you, if you crunch numbers, and I do, although 
come 1 o'clock, right here, Sunday afternoon, you throw the numbers out the window. You throw everything out the window. At least you do as a fan, right? You do as a member of the media. You don't in that analytic department. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that the numbers support the fact that Jacksonville's going to have to run the ball to win. Rushing defense, Dallas, 129 a game, that's 23rd. You look at their other numbers, they're scary. Again, third in team defense, 17.6 a game. Second in pass defense, just 182 yards a game. The exact opposite of what we yelled about last week. Going into Tennessee, you knew it. You beat Tennessee by throwing the ball. Trevor Lawrence played the best game of his career, and he did it in a scenario where you couldn't run. The offensive line pass protected. They did not allow a sack. And Lawrence was phenomenal, spreading the ball around. And, you know, what I also find comforting as of late, it seems like when the Jaguars strike, it's a different guy now week to week. It was Christian Kirk. Two weeks ago, it, or three weeks ago, it was uh, Zay Jones against Baltimore. Four days ago, it was Evan Ingram against Tennessee. So there isn't a true 1A. There isn't a C.D. Lamb here. But there are guys that you can trust. There are weapons. I personally would like to see a little bit more out of the backfield for Travis Etienne. I think that's one component that could help keep Dallas honest and you know maybe steal a little something from what Tom Brady did years ago in New England. If you can't line up and run and play smash-mouth football against Dallas, maybe you can... Uh, throw it to Travis Etienne or find a way to get your Michael Hasty involved. Remember, you go back to that game a couple of weeks ago. Hasty had 95 yards from the line of scrimmage. Okay, 67 of those came in the air. And, you know, it doesn't add up if you look at his carries to yards per. I got you there. It doesn't add up. But as a third down back, perhaps a pass catcher, I think there's an opportunity for some more of that this week. And, and as well, taking advantage of Jamal Agnew, I think he had 11 snaps last week, and I want to say he had four touches. There's a really good chance that every time Agnew is on the field, his number is going to be called. Just a couple of ways that I look at this game as we get a little bit closer to kick on Sunday. All right, let me say this as we get things started. Great press conference today for Trevor Lawrence. Great midweek press conference today. For Trevor Lawrence, your quarterback, he's growing up right in front of our eyes. Let's set the scene, all right? There have been critics with Trevor. There's no question there have been critics with Trevor. There have been those who have bashed him. There have been those who remind us all the time that you were told he's a generational talent and you were told that he's a can't-miss guy. I'm not going to go back and try to rattle any chains about perhaps overreacting, that's fandom, and I love it. That, that's all part of being a fan. But the one issue I've always had with Trevor Lawrence is trying to figure out if he is a true, genuine leader, okay? And last year, my final year as the sideline reporter for the Jaguars, I, I talked about everything from that, you know, hot day in August when it was Urban Meyer's team And after practice one day, Lawrence throwing the football with Marvin Jones Jr., who at that point was a 
was a newly acquired free agent, just like Lawrence was the first pick in the draft. And it was teacher to student. You would have loved the way that Lawrence handled this. There was a press conference going on. I didn't go to it. I kind of snuck around the back door and, and just watched these two throw and talk. And Trevor didn't even move his lips, man. He just listened. He just listened to the veteran. And I watched it behind the bench on a week-to-week basis and, and how he grew, okay? He, he was never the guy that was going to go and get in front of the tight ends. Or, you know, I remember that play when, you know, he missed LaVisca Chenault on a wheel route that should have gone for a touchdown. And, uh, you know, Urban Meyer comes over and lights up Chenault. He comes over and he lights up wide receiver coach Sanjay Lau. And Sanjay Lau threw the tablet and it was just a – you know, it was just a, a disaster. And Trevor walks over and pounds himself in the chest. You know, but it's my fault. I missed you. I should have had you. So Trevor took responsibility, but he was never a go light up your teammate type of guy. That, that's never been anything that I witnessed a year ago. So I wondered about it. And in July, when I spent time with Dabo Sweeney and Charlotte, the conversation was about that. The conversation with Tony Elliott, his former offensive coordinator, now the head coach at Virginia, was about that. Was about Trevor Lawrence. Does he have the fire in the belly? Uh, fire in the belly. Is is he the type of guy that is going to, when things don't go right, show you how PO'd he is, or is he one of those leaders by example? And it's a fair question. We remember Jaguars.com early in the year put out their attempt was a hype video. With Trevor, and it backfired. It it just it didn't look good. It didn't sound good. It was part of a five game losing streak, and it was almost laughable. You're like, that's that's not his forte. Okay, he has changed things around to the point where today he openly talked about the chip on his shoulder. And the fact that he is aware of what people says, I'm going to play it for you, but I want you to remember one thing. All the time. I mean, you can be our oldest listener right now, um, taking part of this program, remembering in the days where there wasn't even talk radio. There was pre- and post-game shows. There was a newspaper. And there were magazines. And that was it. But for as long as we have been sports fans, There are always those athletes who say, I don't read the paper. I don't know what they say. Oh, really? I'm not aware of it. You know, they don't play the game. They don't know what they're talking about. I don't waste my time reading that. I've always kind of taken the role that if you're going to go that far and say you don't listen, I kind of believe that you really, you really do. Okay? Trevor Lawrence today made no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He stood up as a 23-year-old man. He was asked the question, here's your quarterback. Uh, I have a little bit more of a chip on my shoulder now just because, you know, last year and a half, I don't, I don't really forget what, what's been said and um, what people have written. And now, you know, you see people change their mind after a couple weeks. And, uh, but, I, but, I, but I remember everything, you know, and I don't use that necessarily as my only fuel, but definitely use that. And I think that's something this team's done. You know, we kind of remember how, what people were saying when we lost five in a row and then, We've won some big games now, and um, people kind of change their mind quick. So we just have that same mentality um, that we're just out, we want to prove, you know, how good we can be every week. And uh, I think that's been the cool thing about this team. 
he does it in such a respectful way. He's not being a punk. He's not being a smart ass. He's not acting like, oh, see, I told you so. He's doing it the way that you want your leader to do it, the way that you want your quarterback to do it. This man is growing up week to week right in front of our eyes. And it is absolutely phenomenal. I look at this division. You know, the odds came out today is where Aaron Rodgers or you know, where Aaron Rodgers is going to be next year if he goes to a different team. Uh, the odds on favorite right now, Indianapolis. Okay. You know that they are going to get another quarterback. They've gone Rivers to Ryan. They're going to go get a 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers? We'll see. I mean, he's a two-time MVP. His skills have eroded in a year. I happen to think he's still got some football left. Houston's going to have to address quarterback. Tennessee is going to have to address quarterback. You have a 23-year-old right here, and we've witnessed this. And, you know, waving at the crowd, pointing at the scoreboard, uh, the headbutt, I think it was Jeffrey Simmons, on, on the kneel down, the final play, they're in Nashville. I, I, you can't have it both ways. If, if I've been asking for leadership and then he does that, in my opinion, it has to be supported. Okay? Someone said, oh, it's Bush League. Pointing at the scoreboard is a high school thing. or a co-. I've been asking for it. I think most of you out there listening, you've been asking for it. So when he does it, you recognize it. And I think you support it, that he is starting to become that guy with a little bit more fire in his belly. And again, he just turned 23. All right? Win or lose over the next four weeks, he will spend this entire offseason at the age of 23. He will not turn 24 until October 6th, 2023. He's a 23-year-old quarterback, and he's growing up. Big day. Um, Overall, very, very excited, and you should be as well. Just by the way, this team has been begging for leaders, starving for leaders. I can't remember the last time there was a true offensive leader on this football team. And damn it, don't, um, you know, I can't even think of his name anymore. Who the hell? Don't Brandon Linder me. I'm not in the mood, okay? Oh, Brandon Linder was a, he was a silent, whatever. When I interviewed Brandon Linder, I'd ask him 25 questions, and I, I think it was probably RJ at the time, or maybe LeVay would cut up the interview, and it lasts about a minute and 15 seconds on 25 questions. He, he, he's not a leader. Who the hell has the leader been on this offense as of late? You're going to tell me Leonard Fournette? You're going to tell me James Robinson? Are you going to tell me LaVisca Chenault? I mean, they haven't had any leaders on this offense. And it looks as though they have finally found one in their quarterback. Great news here with Trevor Lawrence. All right, opening comments brought to you tonight and each and every night by the good folks over at Schmunez Vision. Uh, Played golf yesterday, all right? And it was windy, man. Ball was moving. You could just kind of, you know, put the automatic draw into it. A lot of times wind was blowing uh, right to left. And, uh, you know, I got one of those range finders. To, to me, a range finder is kind of like that old. Do you ever use the old electric razor? Are you too young for that? No, I used to have one. It doesn't get 
close enough of a shave for me, so I had to switch. Yeah, you're a dark-haired guy. You need a close shave. A guy like <laughs> me can get away with it because I got blonde hairs. But years and years ago, you used to get the electric razor, and the light would always be on, yet it would never charge. There was something that was... It's kind of like the McDonald's ice cream machine. Never works. You know what I mean? It just never works. And that's the way that I've always... There's two things in my house that never work. First off, I'm a huge cigar smoker. I can never find a humidor that works. Mine just always breaks. And I've dug deep into my pocket, too, to try to get a nice humidor. The second thing for me is range finders, okay? Finally, my GF bought me a range finder, and it's working. Well, I'm out there playing with a good buddy the other day. He's like, that's 130 yards away. I'm like, 130? Like, bro, that's like 180. What's wrong? He's like, no, no, no. I know this chorus. I'm a member. It's 130. Whip out the range finder. It's like 175. I'm like, bro, you need to go visit Shmunez Vision. Your eyes are done. You're only like 40 years of age. You're younger than me, but your eyes are toast. It can be little things like that. It's getting dark right now in Duval. You're driving home. You may have trouble um, when you look in your rearview mirror. You may have trouble if you're, uh, I know we live in a world now with GPS, but if you're looking for a street sign or something along those lines, there's so many different things that the good folks at Shmunez Vision can provide for you. It includes high-quality medical and surgical eye care. I tell you all the time that they did a deep dive in my right eye eight years ago, removed a cancerous whatever it was cells or organism or whatever the heck was in there they whipped it out no setbacks every time i visit healthy eye yeah i need new contacts here and there my eyes change like your eyes change but a healthy eye um fantastic 30 years worth of combined experience when it comes to laser eye surgery that includes dr Catherine schmunez as well give him a call right now trust me on this one don't fool around with your eyes 299-2906 what a great holiday present that would be just an eye exam and whether you are a candidate for laser eye surgery whether you are a candidate for something else that they can provide there's a lot in their arsenal and they are the best of the best that is schmunez vision go to schmunezvision.com care you can see are we on youtube tonight because i'm a little bit fired up on this wednesday we are on youtube all you got to do is go to 1010xl's youtube page we will be the first video that says live. Give us a click and uh, share it with your friends. Give us likes. Give us likes. Dislikes, whatever. Give us anything you want. Just give us traction. Yes. Final show in studio tomorrow, 6 to 8, Mr. Chubby's Wings out at Fleming Island. Friday, the Bricks, all right, out at the beach, 6 to 8. And that party is sponsored by Miller Lite. I have two tickets, which you can come by and register to win. That is for the game Sunday between the Jaguars and the Cowboys. Jag fans, don't sell your seats to Cowboy fans. I'll have two. Am I allowed to say it right now that I'm not going to give them away to Cowboy fans? Or, or with no, that? I think they well, would probably love that. Would Cow- I mean, Cowboy fans could call here and complain. That's fine. But would they call Miller Lite and complain? Who answers the phone I at Miller Lite? Who, who's, char- who's in charge of that complaint at Miller Lite? Yeah, the knucklehead in Jacksonville is saying he won't give away those two tickets to any Cowboys fan. I mean, who takes that complaint? I'm assuming someone in India. <laughs> I don't know what goes on as far as that. All right, we got a lot to do. He's JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. This is Into the Nights. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. 
All right, on the last side, JJ, I'm Rick Ballou. We'll check the money in about 20 minutes. Actually, about 15 minutes. We'll do that with the Philly Godfather. Uh, Gators have a ball game, right? The hype is enormous. I will get to that in a bit. Uh, well, anybody's also, talking about it. Yeah, there. I mean, wow. Or the Beavers and the Gators. So we'll get to that with the Philly Godfather. We'll look at that from a uh, financial perspective. And then we'll certainly take a look at the Jaguars. Uh, more money coming in on Jacksonville. This thing opened at six. And right now I'm looking at four. So there has been money. You know, Dallas lost two starters. They lost Terrence Steele, their starting right tackle. Looks like it's going to be Josh Ball. Remember, he was a very decorated Florida State recruit. You know, he was there with Landon Dickerson and um, uh, Baselli and, and Ball got in some trouble. Off the field stuff with a girlfriend. I don't think he was ever charged. But he ended up transferring to Butler Community College and went over to Marshall. He's a six foot seven monster. He's going to be at right tackle now, but he is a backup who is going to be inserted over there where, with uh, Terrence Steele now gone for the remainder of the year for Dallas. Also, they made a trade at the deadline to get Jonathan Hankins from the Raiders, and he was placed on IR today as well. More of a snap count guy, you know, kind of involved in the rotation there on that defensive line. But still, that's that's two star, you know, that's a starter at right tackle and a guy who's involved in the rotation defensively for Dallas. Uh, the big one is, is um, Trayvon Diggs, and, and let me give you the latest here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Wednesday's injury report. Well, I talked about Dorrance Armstrong, right? He's got eight sacks. He's got an ankle. He was limited uh, today. Uh, J. Ron Curse, the safety, shoulder and a back, limited today. And as well, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, he has six sacks, another guy that has really been able to get after the quarterback. He has a foot. He was limited today. The only offensive guy is Jake Ferguson with a concussion he did not practice, so the situation on, on Trayvon Diggs obviously better now than it was during the game on Sunday, one of the better corners right now in the National Football League. As, as far as Jacksonville, and, and this is a concern, this team has really avoided injury all year. Yeah, they lost Ben Barge. Yeah, they lost Shaq Griffin. But, you know, ETN missed the game. Um. And I'm just kind of looking around. What, they scratched Trey Herndon for a couple? They, you know, benched Devin Lloyd. But as as far as injuries, Cisco's missed two. He practiced full today with the shoulder. So that's very encouraging. He wasn't even limited. He he was full today. So if you look at it midweek, Andre Cisco, you know, I don't think there's even a doubt here, unless he re-injures it, that, he is going to be able to play on Sunday. You know, the whole open was about Trevor Lawrence. He didn't work today with the foot. It was a DMP, but if you remember last week, that was the case for him on Wednesday and Thursday. He was limited on Friday, and of course, going into Nashville, Trevor Lawrence played arguably the best game of his career. Unfortunately for the Jaguars, they are... 
beaten up on the offensive line somewhat. That includes Brandon Sheriff with an abdomen. He didn't work. So that's a concern. I wasn't aware of anything that had gone wrong. Let me double check. I want to say that he took every snap for Jacksonville on Sunday. Let me find that here for you real quick. I wasn't even aware that anything was wrong. Let's see here. Yada, yada, yeah, offensive line. Yeah, they all played the entire game, man. Cam, Tyler, Luke, Brandon Sheriff, and Juwan Taylor. The offensive line all played 72 plays. So sometimes guys get injured, and you don't know about it on, you know, until after the game. And, and, and in a lot of instances, guys like that are tough, and they're not going to tell you that they're hurt until after the fact. So that'll be intriguing no doubt about it. All right, defensively, the big one now is Trayvon Walker. As a matter of fact, do we have Peterson on Trayvon? Uh, let's see here. Yes, let's go. Um, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Actually, it's a it's a two-second soundbite. Well, there's a one on um, what their plan is if they don't have. Trayvon. Yeah, why don't we do that? Trayvon Walker has a high ankle sprain. He's listed as day-to-day. Here's what Doug Peterson had to say about Trayvon Walker. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, anytime you lose a, a starter, potentially, you know, I mean, that's gonna that's gonna take a little bit away from, you know, your offense or defense, and, you know, he's he's really starting to play better, you know, as the season's progressed and and doing different things, and and you saw, you know, this past week, you know, him playing with his hand in the ground, you know, coming off the ball a little bit more, and just feeling comfortable with with the scheme, and and, um, but you know what, it's always gonna be. If that happens, if that's the case, then it's the next man up mentality, you know. And and uh, if it's, you know, um, if that's Arden Key, if that's you know, Caleb on Chase on whoever is going to you know fill that role, you know, um, just got to be ready to go, you know, and ready to play. Hate to see that if it in fact is the case. Uh, love seeing it was the most extensive work all year that Trayvon Walker has had with his hand in the dirt, and. Proved to be very fruitful. Also, Arden Key, man, he just doesn't get enough. The fact that Arden Key said he hated Tennessee after being here for 13 games to me is one of the greatest stories of this year. Because I, I'm always the one who complains. You know, it's like soft porn at the 50 yard line after the game. It is. It's you know that that poor kid from Navy who fumbled at goal line, and you saw the way he reacted. Uh, as bad as I felt for him, there was a part of me that was, you know, I don't want to say happy, but the the fact that the game meant something, the fact that that game meant that much uh, to that player um, was so compelling to me because, you know, you see it in the NFL and you see it in all of these professional athletics, man. They meet it... Uh, they meet at the 50-yard line. They're grabbing one another. They're patting each other. You see guys jamming tongues and ears. It's ridiculous. And, and, you, and one fan base, the, regardless of what side you're on, the losing side is devastated. You got to get up on Monday morning. Your week's ruined. So when you get a situation like Arden Key reacting to the film that Doug Peterson showed about how Tennessee had treated Jacksonville. Remember, before the game, they had won five in a row. They had won nine to ten. 
They had won eight straight there at the House of Horrors. Arden Key comes out and says he hates Tennessee. I mean, that's like the most beautiful thing uh, that we have ever heard. He played well, too, by the way. Limited snaps. He had three pressures, a sack, and a fumble recovery. Hope they get our. Hope they get Trayvon Walker, and I hope they use him more at the three technique. Or excuse me, um, you know, just uh, uh, I should say, hand in the dirt, three point stance, not three technique. That's inside, obviously. Although a lot of people think you should end up moving inside, put on a little bit of weight. Um, that would be more of a deal for twenty twenty four. He has twenty twenty three. Has taken some snaps. This is twenty twenty two, right? Right. For only a couple more weeks. Yeah, I told you, I, I, I got some of these side effects. Sometimes my mind goes crazy. Okay. Um, also, defensively for Jacksonville, Darius Williams, an abdomen, did not practice. No. No. Man, they finally made the move, made Herndon healthy, put him inside, put Williams outside opposite Campbell. And they played well. Both did. It's not a perfect defense. It's not a perfect secondary. But that's your best secondary. And all of a sudden, he's got an abdomen. Didn't work today. Andrew Wingard. I mean, has Duval gone 180 on Wingard or what? That guy shouldn't pay for another drink or meal in this city. Everyone loves Andrew Wingard. And everyone's going to tell you. I've always loved Andrew Wingard. No, you haven't. Don't lie to me. Come on. I listen to you folks. I do. You can't find a show that's more interactive with the Jaguar fans than Into the Night. I respond to all you knuckleheads on the text line at 641-1010. And I say that as kind of a badge of honor. I say that in a very affectionate way. All right? You knuckleheads out late at night. You and I both know only good things happen at night. And finally, Chad Muma, who did not play a week ago. The depth chart said he will be the starter if healthy. He was limited with the ankle. So I don't like reporting that. That is as beaten up as Jacksonville has been all season long. You knew it was only a matter of time. Jacksonville has been unscathed this year as far as injuries. Well, it's caught up on them now for this matchup coming up on Sunday. Let's check the money. Let's bring in the Philly Godfather. Let's look at that game. Let's look at Tampa and their matchup against Cincinnati. Also, here's what you need to know if you don't already, and I believe you do. Jacksonville can lose this game to Dallas. You just need Tennessee to lose in LA. So let's just check the money on that game. If 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 Jacksonville loses to the Cowboys, and, and it's safe to say that, that Dallas is one of the best teams in football. Dallas is a better team than Jacksonville. They are. They're a better football team than Jacksonville. The best team doesn't always win, but they're a better team. If Jacksonville loses and Tennessee loses, all Jacksonville has to do is this. Beat the Jets a week from Thursday. Beat Houston on the road. And then it sets up for Jacksonville in Tennessee. Tennessee right now is reeling, and they have Dallas. I think they lose that game as well. If you get the head-to-head, you beat them, you have an identical record, but you look at the head-to-head, Jacksonville's 2-0, and zero, Tennessee's 0-2. Zero and two. It's Jacksonville hosting a playoff game here during Wild Card Weekend. 
absolutely nuts. Could happen. Let's check the money next. The Philly Godfather goes into the night. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Enormous weekend upon us in the NFL. We got a game tomorrow night. We got three on Saturday and, of course, a full slate on Sunday. Also, the Bulls get underway beginning on Friday. Let's bring in the Philly Godfather. Always a pleasure. He goes into the night with Rick Ballou. Mr. Godfather, how are things? Uh, pretty good, man. Enjoying a cappuccino with a little Baileys in it. As I go into the night with the living legend, Rick Ballou. My goodness, man, a little Bailey's. See, but the coffee would keep me up all night. How, how are you able to pull that out? Are you one of those guys when when the Philly Godfather's head hits the pillow, you out? I'm out, out, out. <laughs> <laughs> Not me, man. I'm tossing and turning, and I'm worrying about all sorts of different things. If, if you looked at my life and it was time spent in bed compared to time spent in bed sleeping, I bet I've thrown away a few years, Philly Godfather. Wow. Seriously. Yeah, no doubt. <coughs> I, I know you've been under the weather. You, I appreciate you being with it because I know you're not feeling all that well. So thank you. Yeah, a little cough here and there. I'm trying to get rid of this bug. I don't know what it is, but I feel great. Just every once in a while I get a little uh, cough. What do you make of the Bulls? It, it, before we get to Florida and Oregon State, it, how much has changed now with the you know, the new trend, and it comes to play here for Florida, uh, particularly with Anthony Richardson, their quarterback, guys opting out of bowl games to get ready for the NFL draft. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking to bet these games, you really got to research everything, got to know who's playing, who's not playing. And, you know, the bookmakers try and get you sometimes with the ranked teams versus the unranked teams. And you'll see, you know, if you're a recreational sports better, you'll see an unranked team favored over a ranked team, and you think you're getting value, but you're not. You know, so uh, you got to really uh, do your research and pay close attention to every little thing you can if you're looking to invest in any of these teams during the bowl season. Yeah. All right. Oregon State, large favorite here against Florida. And I know a lot of these bowl games as well. Is this where you have to exercise discipline and just say don't touch a particular game? Yeah. I mean, back in early December, I think the line offshore was as low as Oregon State minus five. Wow. And we all know Anthony Richardson. Uh, he caught a little NFL-itis, and a few other players are missing as well for Florida here. So the oddsmakers had to adjust this number, four or five points. I mean, it's basically painted 10 across your screen now. The total is fluctuating anywhere from 52.5 up to 53.5, one of the sharper offshore books. But when it comes to betting a side or a toe here, I actually like the under. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Oregon State, I mean, they got a solid secondary that ranks top 15 in passing explosiveness, allowed uh, and uh, top 10 in EPA pass allowed. I think they're 16th in the nation in opponent U.S. for pass attempt. And OSU finished second in the Pac-12 against the runs. So their defense is really good. On the offensive side of the ball, Oregon State loves to run the ball. We all know that. We should chew up some clock and give us all an opportunity to cash a ticket under 53 and a half. When it comes to his side, I mean, it's moved so much. Five points, man. I mean... I'm just not sure Florida could stay within the number. I haven't bet the side yet, but I did bet the total. All right, under the 53-and-a-half. Again, that line has jumped five points. Uh, right now, uh, Philly Godfather liking the under uh, with the matchup in Vegas coming up on Saturday. Let's slide over to the NFL. Huge game here in the AFC South with Tennessee. They've lost three in a row. They go to Los Angeles to take on the Chargers. 
A uh, couple of teams here. You know, L.A. to me has been a difficult one to try to figure out, but it really looks like Tennessee is in a free fall. Yeah, and I, like you said, they lost three in a row, and that's something we're not accustomed to uh, seeing in the Vrabel era. He's been an amazing coach, and they I can't remember the last time they lost three in a row with him as coach. Uh, meanwhile, like you said, the Chargers are kind of hot and cold, Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, 10 of their 14 games this season have been decided by one score or less. Uh, but they are one of the most injured teams in the NFL, and like you said, they're starting to look healthier, and they showed against that Dolphins team on Sunday night. Uh, this week they go against a one-dimensional Titans team whose passing game has taken, I think, a massive hit since uh, A.J. Brown came to Philly. Uh, Chargers are in a great position to stack Duran James in the box to try and slow down Henry uh, while they let their corners go one-on-one in Tennessee's unproven receivers. If the Chargers secondary plays like it did against the Dolphins, I mean, they should have no trouble covering the number here. It's only two and a half. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the you know Chargers minus two and a half. All right, L.A. minus two and a half. That matchup against Tennessee, having trouble scoring as of late, no doubt about that. Philly Godfather, tell us about your website, also Twitter, so our listeners can get a hold of you. Yeah, stop by the phillygodfather.com, or you can find me on Twitter at phillygodfather. All right, down the road in Tampa, big game for the Bucks. They're still alive in a very bad division in the AFC South, and it looks like Cincinnati is fully over that Super Bowl hangover. They've played some really good football as of late. What do you make about the Bengals and the Bucks? Like you said, the Bucks are on the ropes here. They continue to play really bad football. The rest of the division is creeping up on them. The Panthers are playing some solid football. Uh, Sunday night, they're going to play the Bengals team that has looked dominant. They look like they're back to their Super Bowl form. Uh, they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl again this year, and they might have a shot there. And the AFC looks kind of wide open. Uh, last week, Tampa got demolished by the Niners, and the Bengals took care of business against the Browns. This is a game, to me, where the public's going to be playing the Bengals like they got tomorrow's newspaper, and that's always a little scary. Anytime I'm on the side of the majority, I like to pause and reflect. So I dug through the matchups a little bit, and the Bengals are really not a great running team. Man. Uh, I mean, they're going to be leaning on their pass game here, and despite the injuries, the Bucks have suffered in their secondary. I think their eighth in opponent yards were past them, so their defensive uh, against the pass has been really solid, even though they have been a little banged up. Then you take into account, I think T. Higgins, he re-aggravated a hamstring injury in the left last game, combined with Boyd being ruled out with a dislocated finger. I mean, that Tampa secondary, if they could put their you know all their eyes on Jamar Chase without having to stack the box against a below average run team, you're getting three and a half points at home. <sighs> this Bucks team has burned me a couple times this season, but I'm a numbers guy. I like the Bucks here plus three and a half. Yeah, and you know I don't know what's happened to them the last couple of games, especially early. You know they were able to come back a couple of Thursday nights ago, but what two games in a row? Brady to Mike Evans, there hasn't been a complete pass in the first half of either one of those two games. You better write that wrong if they're going to get things going here against Cincinnati. All right, let's wrap it up. Big matchup here in Duval. It is Dallas. They have got a couple of key injuries here against the Jaguars. Uh, big win a week ago in Tennessee. Your thoughts on the Cowboys and Jaguars? This was tough because, you know, Cowboys almost lost this. 17-point favorites to the Texans last week. And now they're coming into Jacksonville. They're giving the Jacks four points at home. It seems like a lot. Um, but I actually like the Cowboys here. I mean, last week was definitely a wake-up call for them. And uh, this week they get back their left tackle, Smith, which is huge for the offensive line. And I'm not trying to take anything away from that Jags' huge win last week because it was awesome to watch them beat up on the Titans. But like, like you tweeted out, I think I saw one of your tweets, 
I actually put more money on the Jags last week. Titans were missing some key components on both sides of the football. Uh, the early, I look at the early Jags injury report. They're kind of limping in, into this game. Uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has that toe. A couple other key guys are a little banked up. Lines opened up five. It's dropped down to four. There's definitely some sharp early money on the Jags. But if it gets down to three and a half or three, I might be looking to take Dallas here minus three. All right, some sharp money on the Jags. Any idea what the public's done so far? Uh, bet split-wise, I could tell you in a second. I just got to find it here. Uh, early money is all over Jacksonville. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Never a good thing. Yeah. Uh, it's not too often the sharp and the, the, the public going on Jacksonville. So you, you knew some had to go when it dropped a, uh, a point. But you like Dallas here plus the probably four, correct? Gets down to minus three, yeah, the favorite. If, if it can get, if I can, if I can buy the off the three and a half cheap, buy the hook, get it down to three. I'll probably look to take Dallas here. Yep. This is a massive game for the Cowboys if they're trying to stay in this. You know, I said, uh, I said plus four. Obviously, it's minus four. Yeah. Dallas favorite here in Jacksonville. All right, as always, great stuff. Once again, uh, Philly Godfather, give us your information, please. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Philly Godfather. Stop by the phillygodfather.com. And if you nibble a little bit on the Seahawks Thursday night, you might be able to catch a ticket. All right. Love that as well. Hey, have a great week. Uh, best of luck as always on your plays. Good luck, guys. There he goes. Billy Godfather. The under Florida and Oregon State, 53 and a half, likes the Chargers getting two and a half in their building against Tennessee, likes the Bucks at home getting three and a half over Cincy, and likes Dallas minus the four. Sharp money on Dallas. That's wise guys' uh, money. But the public on Dallas. We'll have more with Rafael Esparza tomorrow night and the Philly Rooster on Friday. And we'll continue to track the money as we do throughout the course of the college and pro football season. Coming up next, he is the senior writer from Jaguars.com. There is only one John Osher, and he goes into the night next. Into the Night with Rick Balloon on 1010XL 92.5 FM. And it makes a fiery ring. A lot of our listeners have been asking for Johnny Cash. Apparently the Jaguars will go with all black uniforms on Sunday. Black. I love black. I think black makes you like 10 pounds lighter. Isn't it the one color that, that kind of disguises Very slimming. those who are endomorphs, like the host of the program? What does that mean? You don't know what an endomorph is? No. Is it someone who thinks that they're fatter than they are? Well, that would be me. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's just a fat human being. Oh. There were three different morphs, ectomorph, endomorph, and I, I forget. It was something you learned way uh, – you know, listen, everything's changed now. We have new math. We have new science. Yeah, endomorphs usually have narrow shoulders and wider hips and carry an excess weight in the right. lower abdomen. We're changing history, both American history and world history. Maybe they don't teach that anymore. What's the, what's the definition of an endomorph? Um – you have narrow shoulders, wider hips, and carrying excess weight in the lower abdomen, hips, and thighs. In other words, you're fat. You're fat ass. <laughs> Which you can't say anymore. Johnny Osher is a tall drink of water, and he goes into the night with Rick Baloo. Hello, John. Yeah, I've got some endomorph tendencies sometimes, Rick. I, I've sometimes been known to carry a few too many. 
but that's okay. <laughs> Back when we went to school, we were taught those words. I, I guess for the younger generation, they've, they've left that one alone. And no more. Yeah, I, I don't know that I knew that one, but I, but I know when I'm fat. <laughs> and it's usually, it's usually this time of year near the end of fat ball season. Yeah. No, oh, absolutely. Uh, no question about it. Hey, what a great win. And, you know, the most telling part of the win for me, John, is Derrick Henry goes 96 yards in the first quarter. They take six minutes off the clock on a lengthy drive. They go up 7 nothing, three and out with a punt. Then you get the fumble. They score. But it's also 14-7 early. And the Jaguars are able to come from behind. That's not something that they would have been able to do in years past. Well, especially against Tennessee, and and it's uh, I wrote uh, today on Jaguars.com or yesterday. They've trailed in their last three wins. Yeah, you know, they trailed the Ravens, they trailed the Raiders, uh, and so I think it's it, it says something about the toughness. Uh, they had overcome deficits early this year and, and hadn't won the game, so they're finishing in that situation. But you know. Everything else that they've done before that to me paled in comparison to coming back in that environment against that team. You know, we've all seen that game the last nine years. It felt like they've always been down by seven, always been down by seven again if they even got back in it, and then just could never right the ship. And to do that as a team, but particularly to do it in a game where it felt like, you know, I never say that a player puts a team on his back, but Trevor, you know, in the second quarter, all of a sudden started playing at this second level, and it's 10, 7, 10, 13. I mean, you know, 14, 10, 14, 13, they're up. Now they're way ahead. And before you knew it, you were thinking, wow, this kid has, has matured before our eyes in recent weeks, really that game Sunday. For Trevor to do it up there, I thought mattered a lot for the present and the future. Yeah, it, it was a huge win, and it was arguably his best game. You and I have been, you know, breaking down or talking about uh, the Jaguars and their next opponent for for years and years and years. And I live with I live in the old school mentality when it comes to run the football and stop the run. However, we knew going into this game that. That was not going to apply. Jacksonville was going to struggle running the football there at Tennessee. This would be a game from the opening gun where you are going to have to pass the football to your weapons in order to knock off Tennessee. And that's exactly what Lawrence did. And, and you know, I think kind of lost in all this, the offensive line did a really good job. They they did not allow a sack, and there was there was time for Lawrence to – to read through his progressions, uh, you know, just overall it was a really good game there for the offense. Yeah, and I thought it mattered in this sense. I said multiple times last week, I thought it was an important game for the offense for a couple of reasons. Namely, the, I think the offense, you know, for the foreseeable future has to carry this team. Uh, could they go carry it in a tough environment uh, against a good defense? Now, it's a depleted defense. The secondary's down, but could that offense go be what they thought they were and go finish and win a game where you had to score some points. And I thought they did. You know, as much as you want to say, well, well, the Titans defense isn't what it was. It's not a great defense. But it did enter that game as the number one third down defense in the NFL. 
and the Jaguars didn't allow the Titans to own that down the other day. So that was a huge game for the offense, and I wouldn't worry so much that it's become a thing this week people are talking about with well, a lack of a running game. But with Doug Peterson's offense, they want to run. They want to run better than they have. But he also doesn't mind if the if the pass is working. He's not going to force the run. And so I don't think it's as much of a crisis point as maybe some people are making it out to be this week. Jacksonville, a huge win on the road at Tennessee. Even a bigger matchup coming up this Sunday at 1 o'clock. Here comes Dallas. They've won four in a row. They have won six out of the last seven, albeit they struggled to get through Houston. John Osher, I guess, senior writer for Jaguars.com. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't look at this the way I do in college. I, I think because they are pros, the mentality is different. But I can't help but think, man, it would have been great to have Dallas just put a number on Houston. They, they, they put that 98-yard drive together. They barely get a win. And it just feels like they're going to go back to – you know, really study, studying film hard. I'm sure the media's gotten on him a little bit this week in Dallas. You understand where I'm coming from? Yeah, no doubt. And I do think that that matters a little bit. And the fact that the Jags won and beat Tennessee, which, again, it's not the, quite the same Tennessee team as the one that had the best record in the NFL, but it's a division leader. And the Jaguars have beaten two division leaders in the last three games. So I don't think Dallas overlooks them. Uh, you know, how much does that matter in the NFL trap games? I guess they exist. I'm not that big on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a case right now where the Jaguars have a chance on Sunday to be a third really good team in, in, in a month. You know, I'm not a big respect guy in the NFL because I think fans really play into that a lot. But if, if, if you want respect, this is the week to get it. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, this team... Sure, you know, Ben Barch went out, Shaq Griffin's gone out, but for the most part, they have really avoided injuries all year. And you mentioned the secondary, and, you know, I want to credit uh, the move that that Mike Caldwell and Doug Peterson made. They uh, obviously took Trey Herndon back up. Uh, You know, he had been scratched for a couple of games. They put him in the slot. You take Darius Williams, you put him on the other side, and it wasn't perfect but it worked. But now a report comes in that, you know, Darius Williams has an abdomen. He's not 100%, didn't practice today. And unfortunately, on the offensive line, Brandon Sheriff has got an issue with his abdomen. He didn't practice today as well. Yeah. And because those came out after Doug talked, I don't really know the extent of the injury. Uh, Trevor also didn't practice. And, you know, he played fine last week. Or, I mean, obviously better than fine. Are they just making sure those guys get rest? And, you know, this late in the season, Wednesday and Thursday practices aren't nearly as intense as they were uh, early in the season, meaning uh, Doug Peterson sort of knows, hey, these guys know what they're doing. We're out there getting reps. Are they just resting them? Are they serious? I, I don't have a real feel for that, and I wish I did. Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting, and I should say Dallas is beaten up, too. They lost their starting right tackle. They also made a trade uh, recently to, to try to beef things up in their, in their secondary and or excuse me, on, the, on their defensive line, and uh, I think it was Hankins they made the trade for. Uh, let's see here. Uh, well, I had it, and I lost it. And, and, and that's, you know, that happens when Jacksonville wins games. The, the, you know, the uh, – 
the desk becomes cluttered, Johnny. If if Jacksonville <laughs> lost, if if Jacksonville lost, I'd have everything right here uh, in front of me. I, I think you understand that. But the point I'm trying to make: they do have a couple of injuries. Uh, the other thing, uh, the other guy is Jonathan Hankins, a defensive tackle from Vegas. So you know, Dallas comes in here; uh, they're beaten up as well. Yeah. It's interesting. I started this week really thinking, okay, this Dallas team's a juggernaut. And and they're super talented. They're on TV all the time. They're 10-3. and three. They have the matchup edge, and I can't pick the Jags this week. But there are avenues for the Jaguars to win this game, particularly to me, Dallas is a really good run defense. Can Travis Etienne get back to what he was early in the season, hopping a long run or two? I think that's how they get that run number up. They've been missing the pop play, you know, the 30, 40-yard play. Can they pop one of those? But overall, this Dallas team, as good as they are on offense, they're a run-oriented offense, which you would think the Jaguars could, you know, somehow get it stopped. And then Dak Prescott its own picks this year. So if you get the turnovers that they've been when they've been a good Jaguars defense, then you get – you're at home, you get a couple of big plays, and then you're out in front like you were against Tennessee last week. I think you have to score early, score in the red zone. I think Doug Peterson is going to be aggressive. I think that's their formula to win, right? Hey, last question for you. Uh, for Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator, I love what Jacksonville has done as of late. You know, Evan Ingram, a huge game four days ago. You go back a couple of weeks ago, it was really the coming out party for Zay Jones. So there really is a, a variety of different guys that you have to look at. I, I think the flip side is when you get away from the backs in Dallas, you look at, you know, you stop C.D. Lamb, you feel pretty good about your opportunity there. That That's not the case with what Jacksonville has done lately with their offense. I mean, that's what's been impressive about Trevor Lawrence. Not only last week does he do what he did without practicing, which Doug Peterson has said a couple of times this week. That really impressed Peterson, I think. You know, the fact that mentally Trevor – was able to process that and go out and perform. And he also hasn't been dependent on one guy. I mean, now you're talking about three uh, three wide receivers this year who have gone over 100, if you include Evan Ingram as a wide receiver. But uh, three receivers over 100, a bunch of different ways. They've had uh, Travis Etienne go over 100 yards rushing those three games. They are able to produce offense using multiple players uh, without a true number one receiver. So, this early in his career for Trevor to do that, I think somewhere in there, somewhere in that long-witted answer of mine, I think is a real bright spot for Trevor Lawrence in this offense. Boy, if he gets the one, if Ridley next year is that one, how good does this offense become considering that he uses his weapons so well? Yes, yes. It, uh, you know, it feels like it's, Starting to come together. We'll see what happens this weekend. And uh, even if they don't win, as long as L.A. handles Tennessee, you can really make the case that you got to win in New Jersey, you got to win in Houston, and then you have an opportunity, hopefully, to take on Tennessee. Of course, the head-to-head, if they win, they'd be yeah, two up against that, them. Rick. I, yeah. I think it, 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 if they win, I think they're getting in. So, I mean, like, you know, on, on, if they win Sunday, I think they're getting in. Oh, yeah. yeah. The thing is not over if they lose on Sunday. I don't think they win, but I think it all comes down to the last three games. I think they're still in it. John Osher, read everything from John and his staff. Just go to jaguars.com. He is the senior writer. Always a pleasure, sir. See you over there this weekend. Rick, thanks, buddy. There he goes. That is John Osher. 
Uh, I'm looking at wide receiver Noah Brown. He had four receptions on Sunday against Houston for 85 yards. That's an average of 21.3 per. Those are solid numbers. C.D. Lamb is magnificent. I mean, he's been targeted 117 times. 74 receptions, 961 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, Dalton Schultz is a very good tight end. Okay, 41 for 430, so he's basically getting 10 of reception, three touchdowns. Michael Gallup's been a guy, let me see, you know, two receptions, 40 yards. I, I look at his last his last five games, two receptions, four receptions, five, three, four. Um, for the season, he is averaging 11.2 her so you know they do have some weapons they absolutely do they signed T.Y. Hilton this week I, I I don't believe that that he is going to be ready to go Tony Pollard catches a lot of balls out of the backfield here's a guy who has 29 receptions for 279 yards and three touchdowns he's a touchdown machine he has nine on the ground he's averaging 5.7 yards a carry you know it feels like Zeke Starting to run out of time a little bit there in Dallas, but he, you know, he's still on pace. If he has a couple of big games to grab a thousand yards, he still has more touches than Pollard, one seventy-two to one fifty-eight, favoring Elliott. His average per carry, however, is down a yard and a half compared to Pollard. Elliott's only four point two a carry, but still seven hundred and sixteen yards. I mean, there's a chance here. You look at there are multiple teams that are going to have dual 1,000-yard receivers. I, I want to say that's already the case in Miami, right, with Tyreek and, and Waddle. That's already the case there. Uh, it's going to be the, the, the case with other teams. But, you know, who's the last football club? Who's the last football team to have two guys in one year rush for more than a thousand yards, I, you know we do it every year. It's it's typically like wide receivers have close to thirty players who go north of a thousand yards, and typically running backs. There's only like five or six in the league that have more than one thousand yards. So we had one in 2019. Did we really? But not Let me guess. two running backs. Oh, so it it had to be was it Lamar Jackson? Exactly, Lamar and Mark Ingram. Before that, you have to go back to 2009, and it was two halfbacks. uh, For the Carolina Panthers, could you name them? Oh, my gosh, 2009. It's rough. Uh, Who was the kid out of Michigan? Uh, Neither one of these guys. The weird spelling name. Uh, You know what? I... I I forget. Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo oh. Williams. The year before that, it was the Giants with Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. Okay. It's only happened six times in the history of the NFL. Chance for that to happen this year. Pollard absolutely is going to get there with 894. Yeah. Elliott, though, he's going to have to have a couple of big games. He's got 716. Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris, the oh, first ones yeah. to do it. Well, Earl Morrill, especially when he filled in for Bob Greasy, man. But he'd throw the ball like five times a game. I'll just give you the whole list. Franco Harris. Rocky Blyer? Exactly, 1976. Uh, give me one, I'll give you the other. 1985, we have Kevin Mack and... Ernest Biner. Boom. 2006, yeah. Yep. we had the Falcons. We had Michael Vick and... 
Oh, 2006, you gotta know 2006. This. I, of course I got to know it. 2006, but it's, uh, oh, gosh. Oh, oh, I know. Uh, he played uh, for a Anderson. different team most of his career. It's not, who's the great back they had? The Anderson. Jamal Anderson. Jamal it's not him. This was after that. This is work done. Work done actually went to the Falcons and had Oh, yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, that was the imagine, last one. Imagine my embarrassment. Not How so- are you going to sleep tonight? Uh, Dak Prescott, nine picks. Quarterback rating of 92.2. He's missed a little bit of time. He's only played eight games. Cooper Rush obviously filled in. So it's all there. One uh, of the worst picks of the season last week, by the way. Yes. They have the ball yes. at like their own five. And he did get hit, but just can't throw that. I Terrible. tell you what's scary is 48 sacks. Okay. That's scary. Micah Parsons. That is, uh, Micah Parsons is just a phenomenal football player, as you know. But Dorrance Armstrong, and and again, let me see that. He's on the injury report. He's got eight sacks on the season. Robinson has an ankle, and he was limited today. Then you look at Demarcus Lawrence with six sacks. He was limited today with a foot. So you got a couple of guys on that defensive line who are beaten up. And uh, I already mentioned Dante Fowler earlier. I don't feel like mentioning him again. Don't let me talk about Dante Fowler again this Noted. week. Can you do that? Can you find Noted. me in the kangaroo car? I'll dump it. All right. We got much more to do. That includes your questions, your feedback. As always, the best way to get to us is on the text line. And that number is 641-1010. Brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. <laughs> Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Quick reminder, we're on the road Thursday and Friday, tomorrow night, Mr. Chubby's Wings out in Fleming Island. That'll be 6 to 8. And you'll have two-for-one Miller Lite drafts, two-for-one pitchers, Miller Lite. Other domestics as well, but that's at Mr. Chubby's 6 to 8. Then Friday, Miller Lite, big party that they are sponsoring. It's over at the Bricks out at the beach. And I have in possession two tickets. Jags, Cowboys. Okay, you got to come by, register to win. I'm going to do my very best not to give away these tickets to Cowboy fans. One of the greatest, and that's Friday, uh, 6 to 8 at the Bricks. That that party is sponsored by Miller Lite. One of the great uh, tweets that I saw today. Let me see if I can find it again. On my feed, I... Uh, by the way, at the Bricks, you were told by a listener, a caller, to get the the steak dinner. At the Bricks? For 11 bucks. Okay. I can do that. So he highly recommends. All right. Uh, here's a guy on Twitter. His name is... Uh, Trevor Lawrence is the guy. That's, that's the name of his Twitter handle. Okay. And are you ready for his tweet? Please. Same people that say Shad Khan doesn't care about the team are selling their tickets to Cowboy fans on Sunday. I mean, you talk about a drop of the mic and, and just the, I, I re, retweeted it and said tweet of the day. I, I thought it was fantastic. And, I, you know, I really don't want to put in the effort 
to get on folks for that. I, I obviously I want you to go to the game and fill the stadium and represent with Jacksonville. It just seems so weird to me because if win or lose, if Tennessee loses and then they lose again to Dallas, I know right now that if Jacksonville knocks off the Jets and the Texans, can you imagine what that building is going to be like down at the bank in four Sundays if Tennessee is coming in here with the winner going to, not only the winner going to the playoffs, the winner hosting a playoff game. And and they don't have like a way, they don't travel like the Raiders or Dallas or anything like that. So it'll just be Jags fans. But Jag fans won't. Jag fans will not sell tickets to Tennessee fans. I think they will sell some tickets to Dallas fans. That Dallas fans, I think, will overpay for them. They've uh, only played here once in the history of right? the Jaguars. So, like, if you're a Dallas fan, which, you know, I got a friend, one of my best friends is, like many people out there, he's a Cowboys fan, grew up a Cowboys fan, never even been to Texas. So, like, he has very few opportunities to see them when they come around here. And there's a ton of people like that. What are these tickets going for? I, I don't do tickets. So I saw that or I heard. I get asked all the time. And I just, I, that's the only thing that I put out there, JJ. I, just don't ask me for tickets. You know, people just assume that, oh, Baloo, let's call them. You know, like I have just tickets laying all over the place. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I, you know, I, I was a season ticket holder for a while, even when I was the sideline reporter it was back when my daughters really cared and they went to games okay um, so i have them up right now what do you have, what I, do you have? so i heard you can get standing room only for 120 bucks or something like that okay but if you go to you know one of these third-party websites I just, i'm just on StubHub as an example cheapest i'm looking at right now is 180 and that's section 430 so okay. that's the nosebleeds all the way in the corner of the end zone so basically the worst seats you can have for 180 each. All right, how about a good seat in the West Club or East Club? Um, all right, so if you want to go, like, section uh, 138, which is a club, uh, Zone Club East, $703 each. Wow. If you want wow. lower down. Wow. And this is on the side of, of Cowboys. If you want lower down right behind the Cowboys bench, 900 each. Uh, if you want the other side, the Jags, so this is Club West, Section 110, $600 each. So this is like everywhere in the stadium. You can't get in if, without paying 180 bucks. All right, I'm going to say this. And, it's and not- then on top of the 80, 180, there's a bunch of charges, fees, uh, and uh, crap. Really? Yeah, it's like 250 easy. I don't think I've ever bought tickets from that. Don't. Well, I, I'm talking about concert tickets and stuff. Usually when I see, I, I can't think of a concert ticket yet where I've had to go. Through StubHub. There's been plenty of times throughout my life where I've had to buy. Well, I talked about the Florida State Notre Dame tickets last night. I paid 600 bucks for 1993 as a $27 ticket. But I, I remember spending money, frankly, I didn't have in 88 to see Eric Clapton with Phil Collins on drums at the Worcester Centrum, which is the second biggest city in Massachusetts behind Boston. How do you trust 
scalping tickets now. Aren't, I don't aren't know the tickets on works. the phone? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, every ticket I get is on a phone. Exactly. So obviously you just need like the QR code now. You walk up, they scan your phone, and that's as good as having a, a physical ticket. So, yeah, I don't know if like a scalper emails it to you and – like, you know, the guy standing outside the stadium with two fingers up. Like, I don't know how that works anymore. But I have Jags at, uh, excuse me, Titans at Jags January 8th up. Uh, so the exact same seat that's $180, the worst seat in the house for Dallas at the Jags. In this same seat against the Titans, 38 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Da- Dallas is a. Big, yeah, dude. big draw. And let me tell you, there's a lot of wealthy Cowboy fans. Um, last time I was there, Jacksonville got blown out a few years ago. Where you walk out, where the players walk out. JJ, inside the building, they literally have a red carpet. And you drive your car in and hand your keys to a valet and go into one of those suites, which is God, field level. Can you just think about Jerry is he created a palace. Just think about parking and how parking no matter whatever (laughs) game you've ever gone to in any city. Okay, yeah, in any city. You know how hard it is to park at Fenway Park in in, in Boston. You just don't even drive there. or Wrigley Field. Got to take a train. My dad always drove there. He knew this little back row by Boston University and forever we parked there. But yeah, I never parked at Wrigley. Always took the, you know, the train in the subway in. Um, I love that your dad had a spot. Oh, he did. I love that. They, you know, they, how far did you have to walk? Uh, like less than a mile. Oh my God! Yeah. Okay. Half mile. I love that. If that. Well, it was back when he was a high school coach. They used to provide him, and I guess they did with all the high school coaches in uh, in Boston, uh, a season ticket. Oh, times have changed. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, have they ever. (laughs) But, like, he was at that one-game playoff in 78. Oh, wow, the Bucky Bucky, Dent game. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't don't know if they do that anymore. I highly doubt that. But, yeah, so I'm walking out, getting ready to, you know, do the game on on the sideline, and, and, you know, here comes, like, folks and these really decorated – I'm not a a vehicle guy outside of Key Buick GMC right there. Uh, Southside and and uh, in Tinseltown, go buy, buy them all. They're going fast. They actually have quite a selection uh, in the lot as far as their inventory. But I can't believe what I'm watching. I'm like, this is football, man. This is supposed to be meat and potatoes, and you know, wearing a ratty Dallas Cowboys tailgating in your truck t shirt. This guy rolls in like a Rolls Royce, and they're handing. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So you're talking about a yuppity upper-class, white-collar crowd, you're going to get a lot of that with Dallas. And I have had people ring my bell this week to stop, you know, get the people to stop selling their tickets to Cowboy fans. And, again, I really don't have the energy to do it. I I will tell you this. If you're getting seven, eight, nine hundred $900 a ticket, and you have Christmas in a week. Who am I to say don't? Say well, that, let's just say it hasn't. Let's just say it hasn't been a great year for you. The market sucks. Okay, I don't play stocks much anymore. But if you you're doing that type of stuff, 
That's up and down. Maybe your cash flow is down a little bit, and you got some kids looking at you like, hey, Santa. I want a PlayStation 5. You know, I'm I'm sure no one wants to sell their tickets, or maybe I'm wrong. I'm sure it's a deal where, yeah, I could really use the extra cash, so I'm going to unload them. Uh, 7429 says, Baloo, my dad sold our tickets 300 a pop. Uh, they were 112 face value. See, that's a good little flip right there. Uh, Ticketmaster does not have any fees at all. Okay. All right. Uh, Rick, Fox bringing the number one broadcasting crew for I the heard game. Olsen and... Uh, Including Aaron Andrews. Whatever the other guy's name is. Maybe I'll post the photo of, of Aaron Andrews and I. It's a true story. She wanted me to sign my shirt and give it to her, and she was going to sign hers and give it to me, <laughs> but I elected not to. I thought, you know, I showed a little bit of couth. Yeah. Uh, but that is a true story. Uh, 1675, a standing ovation for the person on Twitter who posted that tweet referring to the fact that the same blowhard, yada, yada, uh, so claims the, that the Shot Khan s- doesn't care about Jackson, only cares about money. Yes. The sideline reporters, like, yeah. so y- they, you're on the Jack sideline. They have a guy on for the radio team, for the away team. Then where are the national people at? They... Are they not close to you, or are you standing right oh, next yeah. to them? Oh, yeah. It it all depends. Okay. You know, what what most what Aaron Andrews or what most always do with me in my eight years I, is they would, you know, they, there's a PR guy. Uh, when I was there, it was Tad Dickman, and it was Alex Brooks. and For the Jags. Right. And they're always going to get the information to me, but, like, John Clayton, the late John Clayton was just insane. And John Clayton for Seattle, and he was there when the guy ran into the stands five years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I, obviously I was there as well. But, but John Clayton actually did the opponent's sideline. For Seattle radio. Right. He didn't do Seattle. He did whoever Seattle was playing. So if I'm Aaron Andrews, though, like, do you, I Fluctuate. go back Fluctuate. You and walk forth? around. Okay. Yeah, you do. You, you, the, to answer your question, absolutely they okay. do. Yeah. And – you know, I did some national games. Like, I did Michael Leach. It was a Gator Bowl here. It was Tech in Virginia. And I want to say Texas Tech won that game like 23 to 22. I want to say it was like the 2009 Gator Bowl or something like that. And, and yeah, I was running to both benches. And, you know, typically it's because of an injury or, you know, something big is is going on. But... A lot of these reporters, like Jamie Erdhall comes to mind, um, and she's obviously doing um, uh, the morning show now on the NFL Good Network, football. is they would also come up and ask you, like, if they are covering both sides, hey, what's going on with this? And, and of course, the PR guy's going to give them information anyway. But, but you get it first. By the way, thirty-one twenty-eight Red Raiders come back from a 14-point deficit to win in the Gator Bowl. That was a Michael Crabtree game. Uh, seventy five zero nine. I listed my tickets for ten times face value. If they happen to sell, I will gladly watch from my house. Uh, fifty eighty five. Blue back in the nineties. Growing up, we had season tickets to the Magic, the old Orlando Arena. My pop had a couple of guys downtown. Yeah, yeah. You paid a park for uh, best. Okay, yeah. Um, eighty four forty nine. Blue. Other teams incentivize not selling. 
season tickets to third-party sites. Jags do nothing on their season ticket holders. With that said, I'm not selling mine. All right, you're getting out of my jurisdiction here. I have, Again, I, there are two things I don't care about. Honestly, even though we played a Johnny Cash song, I could give a flip about uniforms and don't ask me for tickets. I, and I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I just, because there was a time when I did, and especially for the players, and you start, first off, they start expecting it year after year. And you know what's great when you have, I mean, like two years ago, or it might have been the year before COVID, it's like, Baloo, hey, man, what's going on? It's great you're back in town. I'm like, back in town, man. I've been back in town since 2006, you know? But you just want some tickets. <laughs> oh, man, it's so great, man. You I should mean, really get a drink sometime. I listen to your show all the time, man. It's great to have you back in town. I'm like, bro, I've been in town for a decade and a half. Yeah, do you have any of those extra TPC <laughs> tickets? Can you get me a badge so I can get in one of those suites? So I was just like, I, I, I made the mistake of, of hooking a buddy up with tickets one year. And, yeah, I get the, I get the oh, text Oh, they're always going to come year, back. Every yeah. year now. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm a good guy, you know. Yeah, I mean. I don't complain. It, We're very lucky to work in this industry. It's just a hassle. Yeah. It, it is. It, it it really, truly is a hassle. People just assume that I have free tickets. Which is insane. Right. And I am a former season ticket holder who had no problem buying seats. My girlfriend used to go with, with my daughters when... You know, my oldest is gone now. And my, it, she's just not a sports freak like her dad is. And it just wasn't as important to her as it was when she was growing. I mean, man, my youngest, Tegan, I remember one day when Jalen Ramsey came by and handed her a glove. And she was with the Godfather's uh, granddaughter, uh, Emma. Emma came. They each handed them a glove. Uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, No, it wasn't Leonard Fournette. I think it was Josh Lambeau, perhaps, who gave, uh, you know, his cleats uh, to Jimmy Kane's grand. I mean, those kids absolutely loved it. And we purchased really good seats. And as long as they were having a good time, I was like, fine. Okay? I'll do the sideline gig for free, basically. If you are going to sit there and watch these games... And enjoy yourself. To to me, it, it was no question about it. So, I don't know. I mean, do what you want to do. I guess I wasted more time on this than than I thought I would. Uh, selling the Dallas, sure. If you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it. Don't sell to Tennessee. Okay, I I will fight for that one. Especially when the month. tickets are like 40 bucks. Right. I, you don't need that 40 bucks. Yeah, I will fight you for that one at the end of the month if, if the game is meaningful, honestly. All right, we got to take a break, don't we? Yeah. All right. Overshot the runway. Final touch is coming up next. We're getting ready for Hacker Nation. He joins you at 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. I appreciate all the feedback tonight, particularly on the text line. I don't check that now that the show is coming to an end. If you want to get a hold of me, 
Well, here's my number. No. Uh, Twitter, Maloo1010XL. That's the way to get a hold of me. I uh, almost always respond, you know. There's no doubt about it. Uh, tomorrow is going to be a really interesting day, okay? First off, Dave Campbell, right out of the shoot at 620, live from um, uh, Mr. Chubby's Wings in uh, in Fleming Island. Dave, Dave's going to be fantastic to talk with because, of course, he's formerly the head coach of the Cowboys. And I also am lucky enough to sit next to him during Jaguar home games in the press box, and that'll be the case against Dallas as well. But there's a lot of things I want to cover with Dave Campo. Um, one of those is, despite Dallas, you know, what you think about Dallas, which to me is offense over defense, and that may, in some circles, be a little bit misleading because Dallas is also third in the NFL in their scoring defense. They're third in scoring offense, third in scoring defense. Their third down conversion rate defensively is frightening, okay? Just over 34%. And, you know, you compare that to two weeks ago when Detroit was over 50%. Uh, I forget what the exact number was last week with Tennessee. But just to compare that to the Jaguars, the Jaguars allow 45.86% defensively, third down conversions. Dallas allows 386 you, you you can't afford to go three for twelve or four for thirteen or something crazy like you're gonna have to make third down conversions. The flip side of all that is Dallas's red zone scoring is third in the NFL, seventy one point four three. Okay, Jacksonville is fifty three point one. The two Dallas is third in red zone scoring. Okay, and I'm talking about red zone scoring touchdowns. They're third. The two teams they're behind, Philadelphia and Detroit. What do those two teams have in common? They both put up enormous numbers against Jacksonville. What, 40 to 14 two weeks ago? I guess Philadelphia put up 30, right? Or 29, 21? Yeah, something like that. It seems so not, kind of pedestrian for them. Yeah, not as enormous for Philly, but... So this is a team that scores. Uh, the point I'm trying to make, and this is something that we will get into tomorrow, if you can limit Dallas to field goal attempts as opposed to touchdowns, that really turns around your opportunity to win this game. I think where last week J.J. and I talked about could 21 points win it and prove to be enough, that's not the case against Dallas. I think you're going to need to score about 30 points in order to win that game. Much more tomorrow live from Mr. Chubby's. Out at Fleming Island, 6-8. to eight. Thank you to JJ. Thank you to the Philly Godfather and John Osher. I am Rick Ballou. You all have a great night.